I won't keep you long this morning, amen, but uh, I do want to preach what God has laid on our heart. I appreciate Brother David leading the choir, always doing a good job, amen, and thank the Lord for that. Daniel chapter number 2 this morning and verse number 25. The Bible says, Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. Verse 26. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, and the magicians, the soothsayers, show unto the king. Verse 28. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and thy vision of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What should come to pass hereafter? And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I more than any living but for their sake that shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. Thou, O king, sawest and behold a great image, this great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, and his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till a stone was cut out of without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Let's bow for prayer. Then you can be seated. Father, we bow in your presence this morning. We want to thank you for the good singing. Thank you for the presence of God. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to worship and give them this morning. Thank you for this missionary family, Lord, and for their presence with us today. God, I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word these next few moments. I pray, God, that you'll give us liberty. Help us to say only the things that would glorify you, and we'll praise you for it all. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach a few minutes this morning out of verse number 28 where we find this phrase here in the middle part of that verse that says, What shall be in the latter days? And I want to preach on that subject this morning, on what shall be in the latter days. When you think about Daniel in Daniel chapter number 2, uh, this chapter deals with Daniel's prayerful trust as Daniel and his friends goes uh, into his house for an old-fashioned prayer meeting and they pray for the wisdom and the revelation of God. And then it reveals Daniel's personal testimony as Daniel begins to testify before the king and testify of the grace and the wisdom and the goodness of God. But also this chapter deals very heavily with Daniel's prophetic teaching as Daniel begins to lay out his first vision 
and a prophecy of the latter days. And it's often been said that Daniel, uh, the book of Daniel is the ABCs of Bible prophecy and the book of Revelation is the XYZ. If that being true, I would say this, uh, before you can know the XYZ of, of, of Bible prophecy, you first have to know the ABCs. Amen? And Daniel in the Old Testament lays this out so vividly as he begins to talk about this great image of this king here and what he saw. And when we look at this chapter this morning, as we think about what Daniel sees in verse number 25, notice the Bible said, Then Arioch brought, brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said unto him, I have found a man of the captains of Judah that will make known unto thee the king's interpretation. Now, I don't know much about this man by the name of Arioch, but what I do know is that he was a man that was self-centered and was seeking self-promotion. He comes in and says, I have found a man of the captains of Judah. But in, in reality, if you read, it was Daniel that came to him, not him that went to Daniel. Amen? But isn't it the day that we're living in when so many people want attention and they want to climb that ladder of success? It was no different in Daniel's day than what it is even in our day. But Daniel being the spiritual man, the spirit-filled young man that he was, I notice in verse number 26 that the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Now this king asked for two, uh, listen, almost impossible things outside the power of God. He asked to know what the dream was uh, and secondly, what it means. Amen? And so Daniel, being the spirit-filled man he was, uh, I notice here that number one, he was not quick to answer the king. As he said in verse 27, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. Now Daniel wasn't quick to answer this question for two reasons. Number one, uh, he was following the leadership of the spirit, I believe. Uh, and then secondly, he wanted to take the opportunity and point out that the men of this world cannot do and the king's soothsayers and magicians could not do what the sovereign power of God was capable of doing. And then secondly in verse 28, Daniel takes no credit for himself as he says in verse 28, but there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to thee King Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. So Daniel is not quick to answer, but then Daniel doesn't take any credit for himself. He gives all the credit and all the glory and honor to God. Isn't that what we should do this morning? Anything that comes from us really didn't come from us, but it was God that did it through us. Amen. There's a lot of preachers that want to take credit for themselves. A lot of singers want to take credit for themselves. A lot of teachers want to take credit for themselves. Testifiers that would take credit for themselves. But anything good that happens in our life, it's God that did it. Amen. Uh, the Bible said in the book of James, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, uh, from whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Amen. And so it's God working in us uh, and God working through us. Uh, and so Daniel tells the king, 
here. He says, I'm going to tell you uh, what the Lord will reveal concerning the latter days. Amen. What shall be in the latter days? I, I don't know about you, but I'm interested I, in 2017 as we close this year out on what shall be in the latter days. What is it that lies ahead for the people of God and for those in this building this morning that they not be prepared for eternity? Amen. What you'll find in this text is three things this morning. Uh, Daniel deals, deals first of all with the substance of the king's dream in verses 29 down to verse number 35. He lays out the substance of his dream. In other words, he answers the first question by telling the king what the dream was. Uh, and notice in verse number 31, thou king sawest and behold a great image. This great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee and the form thereof was terrible. He said this image had uh, its head was of fine gold, his breast and arms of silver, his belly and thighs of brass, his legs of iron and his feet part of iron and part of clay. And Daniel lays this out and he talks about the substance of this dream here. He tells him uh, uh, what this dream is. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar saw an image of gold, uh, uh, my friend, that had a head of gold and it had brass and it had iron and it had feet of clay and of iron and Daniel is laying this out before the king. Now what does all this mean this morning? Daniel be talking to a Gentile king and in Luke chapter 21 and verse 45 the Bible talks about the times of the Gentiles. In the book of Romans the Bible talks about the fullness of the Gentiles. The fullness of the Gentiles, uh, meaning simply this, uh, that with these two things here, God was taking would take away, and he would begin with Nebuchadnezzar. He would take away Israel's uh, uh, spiritual and secular power. If you remember in the book of Deuteronomy, God, as he was speaking, spoke uh, and said that it was his will that Israel be, that Jerusalem be the capital of this world, and that Israel lead all nations, and that God would be their king. Amen. But you know what Israel did? They looked and said we want to be like the other nations we don't want God to be our king we want our own king and because of idolatry and because of forsaking the ways of God listen God talks about the fullness of the Gentiles and the times of the Gentiles now what is the fullness and the times of the Gentiles well the fullness of the Gentiles is simply this from Abraham to Pentecost whenever God wanted to say something he always said it in Hebrew and he always said it through a Jew. Amen. But after Pentecost, uh, uh, God began to speak to a Gentile world. Uh, he spoke in Greek uh, and began to speak in Gentile language. Amen. And that's still continuing right now. But one of these days, the rapture is going to take place uh, and the last one is going to get saved uh, and the bride is going to be completed. Amen. Uh, this Gentile bride is going to be completed uh, and the fullness of the Gentiles uh, will be fulfilled uh, and we will get out of here thank God and it'll be Jews that God will work through and will deal with again amen you see there's only three elects in the Bible there's the Jew there's the church and there's 144,000 
And anybody that would go around talking about any other elect of any other kind is out of Bible order. Can I get a witness right there? And so there's the full. But what is the times of the Gentile? And that is what Nebuchadnezzar is all about. And that is what this vision is about. It's about the times of the Gentile. Uh, my friend, this is not about losing spiritual power, but it's about losing secular power. In other words, Nebuchadnezzar came in and he took captive Israel. He took Jerusalem, besieged the city, and he took the people captive into Babylon. Isn't that right? And so Nebuchadnezzar is the head. He's the first world power representing other world powers uh, that have existed and that will exist uh, until the end of time. Talking about the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, when Christ comes again, uh, thank God he'll put all worldly powers to an end. Amen. And the times of the Gentiles will be over. It started with Nebuchadnezzar and it's going to end with the Antichrist. Uh, uh, but when Jesus comes, uh, you know who's going to be in charge? Uh, it's going to be a Jew. Amen. Uh, it'll be Jesus. Uh, and the capital of this world uh, will be Jerusalem. Amen. And for 1,000 years, uh, uh, Jesus will rule this earth with a rod of iron uh, and the times of the Gentiles will be over with. Uh, there'll be no elections. Uh, there'll be no polls. Uh, uh, there'll be no cabinets. Uh, uh, there'll be nobody running for office. Uh, he will be large and in charge. Uh, he will be in total control. Uh, and my friend, proving uh, that he is the world power and the world conqueror forevermore. Amen. And the Bible said that upon the government shall be upon his shoulders and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And that's the substance of the king's dream. But then there's the significance of the king's dream. You see this image that he saw had a golden head. And I was thinking about as Daniel begins to deal with the image of this king, the significance of it in these next verses down uh, from verse number 36 on down to verse number 45. Now I'm headed somewhere this morning. Just hang with me. It may sound like a Sunday school lesson right now, uh, but we're going somewhere. Say amen. So wipe the sleep out of your eyes uh, and just stay with me a little bit longer. Uh, we talked about the substance of this king's dream and now we're talking about the significance of this king's King's dream. What does this image really mean? Well, the head is gold. Amen. And that speaks of Babylon. And it speaks of Nebuchadnezzar, that world power. And then the breast and the arms is silver. And it speaks of the Medo-Persian empire that was coming in under Belshazzar. And that my friend that took over the kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar lost, died and Belshazzar lost his reign. And the Medo-Persian empire, that was a dual empire. That's why they that breasts and arms are divided, my friend. It takes over and becomes a world power. And we see that through that breast and arms of silver. And then the belly and the thighs is brass. And it talks about that Greece empire that would take over. And then the legs being that of iron talks about the Roman empire. And he lays out these four powers that are mentioned here. And we know that Rome is not dead. Amen. There'll be the revival of the Roman Empire uh, that'll make a league with those European uh, uh, coalition, my friend, that'll come together that eventually the Antichrist will take over and will lead them down to the Battle of Armageddon uh, where they'll face off uh, with none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Amen. And that's that image and it has significance, doesn't it? Boy, I'm thankful this morning that that book is alive. 
If anybody ever tries to convince you that man wrote the Bible, man may append it down, but God's the author of it. Because man could have never seen what God spoke about in the book of Daniel. My friend, thousands of years before it even came to pass, and my friend, as he talks about the significance of this of this image, I thought about the gravity weight of each one of those metals that the king saw. Do you know that the gravity weight of gold is 19.3? And the gravity weight, my friend, of silver is 10.5. The gravity weight of brass is 8.5. And the gravity weight of iron is 7.6 and the gravity weight of clay is 1.9. You say, preacher, what does all that mean? It means this image that Nebuchadnezzar saw. It represented world powers. Nebuchadnezzar being the greatest, that of gold. It means it was top heavy. It means that it was destined to fall. It means that it was destined to deteriorate as it starts out with gold, but it winds up in mud. Amen? And you know how man likes to view himself? He likes to start out with mud mud and wind up with gold. But God doesn't view man that way. We started out in the garden of Eden, my friend, when man was perfect and sinless. We started out in gold. Amen. But man doesn't get better and the world's not becoming a utopia. It's getting worse. And man's depraved. He may have started out gold in Genesis 3, but he winds up mud. And it takes the grace of God to deliver and to save man because man at his best is still man at his best and he doesn't get better but he gets worse, amen. So you know what that means? That means man needs a savior. That when Nebuchadnezzar was Nebuchadnezzar the great and Babylon the great, it fell. The Medo-Persians came in and took over and they fell. The the Greeks and the Grecians, they came in and they took over and they fell. The Roman Empire during the days of our Lord as strong as it was and my friend fell and one day will be revived only to fall once again. You know why? Because man at his best is not forever, friend. Man will surely fall. So we see the significance and we see here the substance. This is the most interesting point this morning. I want to look at the stone of the king's dream. Because the Bible said in verse number 44, notice this, and in the days of these kings, talking about that European coalition, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. Boy, I like that, don't you? Which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. Hallelujah. But it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. Now that's shouting ground right there this morning. In 2017, when our world and our own government system is turned upside down and as corrupt as corrupt can be, I'm glad, thank God, there's coming a day when God's going to set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed and it's not going to be left to other people, thank God. But those people shall be broken to pieces and those kingdoms shall be consumed and this kingdom shall stand forever. He said, notice in verse number 45, how is he going to do this? He said, for as much 
much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver and the gold. The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. Amen. I read that verse last night and Brother David, I thought to myself, who is that stone that was cut out without hands? Who is that stone? It's mentioned three times. It's mentioned in verse 34. It's mentioned in verse 35 and it's mentioned in 45. I don't think, Brother Doyle, it's an accident that that stone being who it is, it's mentioned three times in that text. I believe it's one for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Because they're all the same. You say, preacher, who is that stone? Well, that stone is my friend a Jew. Amen. And that stone is Jesus. Amen. My friend, one of these days, he's coming back. Amen. He's going to rapture out the church. He's going to take us to the judgment seat. He's going to take us to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Thank God we're his bride. And we're going to enjoy that time together. But the world's not seen the last of us. Amen. Hallelujah. We're coming back. And he's going to set up a kingdom. And my friend, he's going to rule. And we're going to go in and out of the streets of Jerusalem. And the whole earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of God. Won't it be wonderful here? Amen. When Jesus comes again. John saw it in Revelation 19. He said, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness to judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and upon his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God and the armies. That's us, amen, which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, uh, clothed in white linen, uh, uh, white and clean. Won't that be wonderful? Clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Uh, uh, the Bible said, for we shall see him as he is. Uh, and every man that hath this hope in him uh, purifieth himself even as he is pure. But he said in that next verse, he said, but he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, amen, a king of kings and lord of lords. Who is that stone hewn out of a rock not made with hands? It's none other, my friend, than our potentate. It's none other than our high priest. It's the high and lofty one that inhabits Israel. It's the king of Zion. It's the king of glory. It's the king of the ages. It's the king of kings. It's the Lord of lords. It's the anchor that's steadfast and sure. It's my savior. It's my God. My friend, that stone is that wheel that's inside that wheel. That stone is the shepherd of my valley. That stone is the rock in a weary land. That stone is wonderful. He is counselor. He'll be the mighty God of the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. That's him this morning, amen. That's that stone, praise God. I'll tell you when I think about this stone in verse number 34 it talks about it's a prevailing stone as he said thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands notice this which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces amen I'm going to tell you that stone is prevailing when Jesus comes my friend John saw him coming and in that valley in the plains of Megiddo in the valley of Jehoshaphat 
of hell will be all the armies of this world of the antichrist and the false prophet will have gathered them my friend together to do battle against the son of God those kings of the east will cross that Euphrates river and come down in that valley and my friend they'll set battle and be ready to fight against the son of God and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen all the world empires and all the world powers and leaders and commanders and generals and armies and arsenals and scud missiles and machine guns and weapons and tanks and jeeps and, and all the everything they can muster up and put together. The Bible said out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it, with it he shall smite the nations. Can you imagine the heavens are going to roll back and here comes that stone. Amen. Jesus said... In the book, in the Gospels, he said that whosoever shall fall on this stone, uh, thank God, shall be delivered. But if this stone falls upon them, he'll crush them and grind them to powder. Amen. One day I fell over that stone. I said, dear God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And that stone brought sweet deliverance. Amen. Uh, but my friend, on this day, when Jesus comes back in all of his glory, you see Daniel saw deterioration. He saw de a world dominion and world deterioration. Uh, but here he sees world deliverance amen as Jesus comes riding on that white stallion and he speaks and the Bible said the blood flows to the horse's bridle thank God everything in the valley is dead every king every captain every God denying heathen will be slaughtered at the very words of our master amen Jesus isn't a baby and Jesus isn't a sissy somebody say amen and he sure ain't some long-haired hippie praying over a rock. Somebody say amen. If I had one of them pictures, I'd take it down and burn it today. Amen. Because that ain't the Jesus of this Bible. He was more of a man than Goliath. He was more of a man than Samson. He was more of a man than the mighty men of power. My friend Jesus walked through the streets of Jerusalem, carried his cross all alone until my friend the top of Golgotha and bled and suffered and died. And even the mighty Roman soldiers could not get him to surrender because he'd already surrendered to the will of the Father. Amen. He's more than a man. And he's stronger than any general or captain or king. Jesus, most kings sit at home and send their men to battle. Our stone, our Savior, is marching forward leading us into battle. Most kings rely upon their generals and their captains to work out a strategy, but not him. He needs no strategy. Amen. Most of them rely on their armor and their tanks, but not him. He doesn't need a weapon and he doesn't need a sword. The sword comes out of his mouth because he was there in the beginning of time and he'll be there in the end of time. Amen. He'll just speak and men will fall in his presence and our stone will prevail. He will overcome. He's a powerful stone as he sets his feet upon the Mount of Olives and he begins to walk down through that. My friend, the streets of Jerusalem, he'll see those Jews as they cry out and the Bible says a nation is born in a day. Thank God that stone is powerful. Hallelujah. I like what our president did a few days ago. I like our president. Listen, he's not, I wouldn't vote for him for a Sunday school teacher. Somebody say amen. I don't even think I'd let him join the church and I'm being honest. I'd preach the gospel to him. But I'm thankful he's got a backbone. 
and I'm praying for his salvation. You know what he did when he signed for the embassy to be moved to Jerusalem? Do you know for the last 20-something years that the Senate has voted 90 to nothing for Jerusalem, for the embassy to be moved to Jerusalem? That's Democrats and Republicans. Do you know why they do that? Why the Democrats would get on board with the Republicans? Because they know that the president will always sign the waiver saying that it's not in the best interest of the American people, our safety, for the embassy to be moved. So to save their own necks, they joined together to say, well, we think that they voted 90 to nothing, saying that we believe that the capital of Israel should be Jerusalem and that the, that the embassy should be moved there. Boy, they got their wagon loaded this year, didn't they? They are spitting mad because he signed what Obama wouldn't sign, what Bush would not sign, what Clinton would not sign. He signed it. I'm not giving credit to Trump. The powers that be are ordained of God. You tell me how an immoral businessman becomes president when his own party doesn't want him and when it looks like he doesn't have no chance and all the polls say at the beginning of election day it's a landslide, 90 to nothing. And by 8 o'clock that afternoon when prayer meetings was going over all over across this country and when the nation of Israel was praying for America, you tell me how the tide began to turn. I'll tell you how. There's an unseen hand that's controlling every bit of this. And it ain't in Washington, friend. Oh, it gives me such comfort to know it doesn't matter who's running for office and it doesn't matter who's elected. I serve a God. He's in charge. He's in charge. And he's putting the pieces together. And it's coming again. Hallelujah. Woo! Praise God. I don't care. Listen, if Bozo the Clown was running for president, if God wanted him in there just to show the world who's in charge, he can do it. Hallelujah. Now you better, you ought to always vote. Let me just say that. God help your sorry self if you don't go to the election, if you don't vote. Too much blood was shed. And don't write Bozo the Clown in, amen, because that's not a real vote. Somebody say amen. And don't get tight on me because I'm preaching on uh, politics because we're in trouble because preachers don't say nothing about politics anymore. Hey, go back and read them verses we just read. It's talking about government. It's talking about power. And the reason we're in a mess today is because nobody won't say nothing about anything because they're afraid it's going to affect their paycheck or the number on the board, amen. I want to tell you something. I want to give all the credit all the glory to the God that I serve this morning. I'm glad, hallelujah, he is in charge and that stone is coming again, praise God. And the Bible says in our text verse tonight, this morning, the last verse, the Bible says that stone was cut out of the mountain. And I like this phrase, I circled it in my Bible. Verse 45. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain, notice this, I circled this, without hands. Hallelujah. Nobody elected him. Nobody ran for him. Nobody promoted him and nobody endorsed him. God will put Jesus on the throne. Amen. And it's a powerful stone and it's a prophesied stone. My, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible is Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 8 16. Let me read it to you. 
He said, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. I love that verse of Scripture. God said, I lay in Zion a stone, a tried stone. He's been tried, hasn't he? I won't tell you this world's tried him and they found no fault in him. This world tried him and he was true to the end. They couldn't take his life. He said, no man takes my life. He said, I lay it down and I take it up again. He said in Revelation 1, 7, Behold, I'm he that liveth and was dead and I'm alive forevermore. And I got the keys to death and hell. He's been tried and he is a precious cornerstone. I, I like that old song, Jesus is so precious to me. Don't you like that old song? I tell you, I was sitting at the kitchen table last night. I read this, this, this message the Lord had gave to me. And I was sitting there, and I looked back through my life, and I have to say this morning, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he is just the same as his lovely name. He's the reason why I love him so. Because Jesus, he's the sweetest name I know. Can you imagine Brother Barnes living in a world with no curse on it? And for a thousand years living in a world with no devil on it. Can you imagine living in a world where there's peace and harmony, where the bear and the sheep lie down together, where the child can put his hand in the cockatrice den, where he can take up an asp, the Bible says, and not be bitten. Can you imagine where the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of God? you know what that means? That means if you turn the radio on, you don't have to worry about running across a rock station because nobody's going to be singing the devil's music. Amen. I mean, if you change that dial, it doesn't matter if you start at 89 and go all the way up to 106. It's just going to be Amazing Grace on one channel. Oh, how I love Jesus. There don't be no country western music. Somebody say Amen. Nobody's going to be singing about drinking and partying and running around and cheating on their wife and, and, and abusing their kids. No, the earth's going to be filled with the knowledge of God. Some old sinner riding down the road is going to try to find him some rock or country station. Man, he's going to go through every dial and it's just going to be one choir after another and they're all going to be singing about him. Amen. I'm telling you, when you sit, it'll be okay to have a television during a millennial. Amen. Because you'll be able to turn it on. Guess what? It won't be Joel Osteen standing up there with a pearly smile. Amen. Taking everybody's money. And it won't be all of Hollywood's hell and all of Hollywood's wickedness. You won't have to listen. It won't be a bunch of sodomites running this thing. It won't be a bunch of wickedness and sin. Uh, you can turn the airwaves and go from one channel to another and it'll be some old time preacher preaching up in Michigan, another one preaching a man in India. It'll just be singing. You say, how do you know that? Because the whole earth is gonna be filled with the knowledge of God. Uh, my friend, when you walk in a restaurant, if there's music playing, it'll be something about Jesus, amen? The conversation at the table will be something about what Jesus is doing in Jerusalem. It'll be about his kingdom. It'll be about his power. It'll be, hey, Fox News, CNN News, they'll all have to report what the king is doing. Amen. Amen. I reckon all of them but Fox will have to quit, won't they? <laughs> Boy, that, that hurt some people, didn't it? Come on, swallow it, and let's just go on. Amen. 
I hope that didn't knock the shout out of you. I'm talking about thank God. It won't matter. All the news will be great. All the news will be glorious. The Washington Post, the New York Times, uh, they'll all have to write about the king. Amen. They'll have to write about his kingdom. They'll have to write about what King Jesus is doing for 1,000 years. Uh, we'll all speak a pure language. Amen. Uh, the curse will be lifted. Thank God. We'll all speak one language. Uh, it's going to be a heavenly language. Thank God. Uh, my friend, the Bible says the noonday will shine brighter or the nighttime will shine brighter than the noonday sun and the word of God. God said that the daytime will shine seven times brighter. Can you imagine that? Uh, there'll be no darkness in the land. Uh, thank God there'll need no need of a candle. And that heavenly Jerusalem will be over that earthly Jerusalem. And God will be dwelling in that heavenly Jerusalem. And God will dwell with his people. And his people will dwell with him. Is that going to be wonderful? I know i got to quit, man. I don't want to. You know what's going to happen? Started out in Exodus, God said, I want to build a tabernacle because I want to dwell with men. You know, that's what God's always wanted to do. Why would the God of heaven want to dwell with us? God said, Moses, I want to build a tabernacle that I might dwell with them. And then God told David, he's going to build a temple. And the temple was better than that tabernacle, wasn't it? Herod built his temple. And then the New Testament said, we are the temple of God. Do you notice that each temple gets better than the one that was before it? But one of these days, Revelation chapter 20, 21, John said, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was found no place for them. He said, Now John saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Amen. said, He heard a voice come out of heaven. Saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He said, And I will dwell with them, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. I'm going to tell you, there's coming a day when there'll be no need of a temple. There'll be no need of a tabernacle. There'll be no need of a church building. My friend, man will see God face to face. We that are saved in a glorified body will go inside that new Jerusalem. And when we walk past that pearly gate, I want to quit, but I don't want to quit. When we walk past Brother Laddie, that pearly gate, there's 12 of them, three on the east and the west and the north and the south, and an angel standing at every one of them. And the Bible said they're never shut, day nor night. And my friend, we'll be able to go in and out of that city and nothing my friend will enter in that will defile it hallelujah but we'll walk inside that city that gate of solid pearl a reminder of the church a gift to the bride reminding us where we came from reminding us what we used to be we'll never enter or leave that city that what we won't be reminded of the grace of God the tree of life by the river of life the Bible said the leaves are for the healing of the nations What a day that's going to be. What a day that's going to be. What shall be in the latter days for we that are saved? Glory. For you that are not saved will be hell and damnation. Probably, and I know I'm in overtime, but listen to me. If anything, if anything in the Bible amazes me, and there's a lot that does, but I mean if there's any one thing that amazes me more than anything. You know what it is? It's this. Is that when the end of that thousand years is over with, 
Satan's going to be loosed out of his prison. And I, I can't understand this. I can't wrap my mind around it. There's going to be people that's going to live on this earth during the millennial. Folks, they're not going to know nothing about this. They're not going to know what it's like to live in a world with a curse. They're, for 1,000 years, they won't know what it would have been like for anybody to have run for an office. For 1,000 years, they're going to live like they did in the Antilopian day. The Bible said if a man dies at 100, he dies as an infant. Can you imagine that? They're going to live to be seven, eight, nine hundred years old. You say, how is that possible? Because even creation scientists will tell you that once that, uh, once that that vapor canopy, before it was ever broken, the oxygen level was so great, that fed the organs and the heart and the lungs and everything. Our oxygen level so old or so low, that's why we struggle like we do. That's why men die at the age that they do. But then when that curse is lifted, friend, listen, that, that burden's going to be rolled away and men are going to live to be seven, eight, nine hundred years old again. Now here's what I can't believe. Could you imagine living on earth for seven or eight hundred years? You were born during the millennium. All you ever knew was Jesus sitting on the throne. He was king. All you ever knew was the bear and the sheep lying down together. The Bible says after a while Satan's going to be loosed and he's going to deceive the nations. And the Bible says he's going to deceive them as the sands of the sea. Scores and scores of people are going to be deceived after living under such a, in such a great time. It proves that man in the beginning was deceived by Satan and man in the end is deceived by Satan. And what began in the beginning is a battle between God and Satan will end between Satan and his son. The only way to get rid of deception is to get rid of the devil. And that's what God is going to do. As the Bible says, he'll cast him in the lake of fire. If you've never shouted in your lifetime, I believe everybody ought to shout when the devil goes in the lake of fire. But friend, if you're here this morning unsaved, you'll be there with him one day. I wonder this morning as we stand, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I know I've preached long, but I just felt such liberty. I ask you this morning, are you saved? What shall be in the latter days? If you're here this morning, you're not saved. Friend, you don't have anything to look forward to. How about it this morning? I wonder if there's somebody here today by an uplifted hand. <coughs> Nobody's look, looking but me and the Lord. I wonder if there's somebody here this morning and say, Preacher, I'm not saved. I want you to pray for me. Would you pray for me? Is there somebody here like that this morning? You're not saved. What shall be in the latter days? The King's coming. That's what shall be. Jerusalem is going to be the headquarters. And we that are saved are going to enjoy the goodness of God. That's what shall be in the latter days. But how about you this morning? Child of God, maybe there's somebody this morning you need to come and lay their name on this altar. You need to pray for them this morning. If Jesus came today, they're going to be left behind. They're going to go to hell without God. Maybe today you need to come pray for them. Maybe today you need to come and say, Lord, would you help me? Help me, God. Open a door for me to witness to them during this holiday season. God, give me that opportunity. And more so, God, would you speak to their heart about their need for Christ? Would you pull the scales off their eyes? Let them see their need for Jesus. That's right. While Brother David sings, folks are coming. Would you mind, God, this morning? Would you come? Would you come if he speaks to your heart while we sing?